0: One of the best parts about any role playing game isn't just the fantastic battles, it's the memorable locations that they take place in, and the interesting NPCs that our heroes encounter.
1: We are so excited to announce Extraordinary Expeditions is now live on Kickstarter! Extraordinary Expeditions was inspired by one of our favorite adventure themes, Dungeon Dolls. Modular adventures that could be grabbed from the shelf and ran with little or no prep at all. The adventures are written in such a way that everyone at the table gets to experience their favorite pillars
0: of roleplay. The first adventure from Extraordinary Expeditions is called Far Touched, and you all get it for free right now on our homepage at CritAcademy.com. Don't wait, it's a free adventure. You can just pick it up when you have nothing planned. Back
1: Extraordinary Expeditions on Kickstarter today. Are you looking to run a horror adventure this Halloween? (laughs) Then you're gonna wanna stick around as we speak to an expert on that subject. Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin.
2: And I'm your guest, Phil Beckwith, the head hunter and the big cheese over at PB Publishing.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm your
0: co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Brandon.
3: <laughs> we hope to
1: inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. All righty. I am so excited. Phil, thank you so much for joining us today. We really do appreciate it. We know. It's having me guys. <laughs> anytime. I'm a big fan of your content. So, uh, before we really get into, you know, the the meat and potatoes of why you're here, uh can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do in the world of Dungeons and Dragons?
2: Yep. So, I'm uh as I said, the, the big cheese over at PB Publishing. So, I I create D&D uh 5th edition adventures more than anything else. Uh publications but adventures more than anything else. Um got a few of them around here as you can see um best-selling dm's guild and drive through rpg author um i'm most most known probably for the Haunts series as well
3: Mm -hmm. and we played two of those games actually Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Uh, i am a i am a huge fan so i want to uh thank you again um if you guys are interested in checking it out you you really need to do that um where is a a good place for them to catch you um to follow along with your, your exploits.
2: Follow me on Twitter. It's the best place to go. I think it's like wherever you put the, uh, the tag. The, the tag uh, <laughs> at PB Publishing 1 over on Twitter. It's the best place to find me. I'll, nope. uh, that's where I'm most active.
1: You can find a link directly to his content uh, that we'll be discussing, uh, which I cannot recommend enough, the haunt, uh, on our blog at CritAcademy.com. Um, now, you write D&D, Adventures, obviously, my favorite that you have run so mm-hmm. far that I've really dug into mm-hmm. is horror, which is the the campaign theme that we're going to be talking about today, you know the the mm.
4: um,
1: there's elements that make a Dungeons and Dragons game a horror theme, right there It requires a specific type of elements. so um mm. now obviously, there's a few things that an adventure specifically needs um, to uh you need to include something terrifying. Right? Yep. There needs to be tension and there needs to be scares. So let me ask you, how does the haunt capture that? What are some techniques you used?
4: Okay, yep.
2: So horror, tension, and scares. Uh, So uh, something horrific. Um, Well, the haunt, I think it it all comes down to the atmosphere of, of um setting up those scenes so in the in the whole the the whole first half of of the first um adventure in that trilogy is is mostly just setting up the scene and allowing the, the 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 players to learn the 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 history and the backstory of this mansion that they're walking through so the whole bottom floor of this mansion is all them learning this backstory bit by bit and they're throwing in a few monsters here and there but it's not is not monsters at all really until you get higher up um, so setting that tension early is is important and it's all about um setting the mood right so um For instance, they, they go and into this big ballroom and there's, there's this scene that's giving you sort of this ghostly apparition of, um, of, of these two having a dance and then talking about this, this backstory of what's, what's happened in the past. And, and, and the players slowly learn the history of this place. And that's just, and it's, and it's really written in sort of, um, dulcet tones, you know, keeping it really low. And then when, they move on, and something happens. Bang! All of this, all of this um, action happens, and all all of this horror spills out at you. And because you've held back and kept the kept the tension tight earlier on, it really just impacts moving forward when you do release that horror. Yeah,
1: and I think your your adventures capture that really well. And um, mm. one thing that I really noticed, I, I grew up with Child's Play. I do if anybody else grew up with that. Yeah. So yep. it, it was very uh, reminiscent of my childhood nightmares when I had this, you know, has this little doll running around terrorizing people. Yeah. Um, and it was a lot of fun for and me. And look, at
2: keeping that tension as well, like the, when you first meet the doll, it's not attacking you at all. It's right. just a doll, right?
1: Mm-hmm. It starts a lot of players put a... it in
0: the backpack straight away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was one of my favorite things about this adventure. Everyone I've run this with, I always ask them, so like, "Hey, what do you think the doll looks like?" And it's different for everyone.
1: That's so. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I like that. Um, so we talked a little bit about you know the horror and the tension. Um, you know, horror being you know mm-hmm. death and gross things, which are generally related to that. And you have <clears throat> the tension, which is what's really pulling the the players into the experience, <laughs> What's right? around
0: this corner?
3: What's around this corner? Is there something in that
0: closet? That's right, yeah.
3: Actually, I saw a meme that they posting yep. a the D- D&D group of a uh, wasp nest was built inside a doll, so... <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> so you know, and then the, the we talk about the scares that really come from the release of the tension, generally, in an unexpected way. Yes. Um. And I you mentioned the yeah, atmosphere, correct. and this really comes... Uh, in place when you do attack the five senses more than anything else. Actually, before we got started, Ian had mm. a really good example of this. If you want to share that with everyone,
3: right? Like one example is I think it's a good idea to write out descriptions of areas are going to go to ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the more you describe, the more you personify something, the better. Like it's one thing to say you enter a dark tunnel. It's another thing to say you guys enter into the tunnel. The only light comes from your torch. But the darkness seems to drink it in as you proceed down into it. Fuck that. In, in words like "drink it in," that
1: personification. Oh, I mean, I look think at is,
3: Brennan's reaction just mm. now, just from that. I think that those are important,
1: in my opinion, because you're you're making the world around them seem alive, even though wow, well, okay. In D anD d it could be, I guess, with mimics and shit. But mm. um, but generally,
4: making it... yeah,
2: yeah, well, that's
1: right. <laughs> well that's that's one of the
2: things i try i think I, try, I personally try when i'm writing is to at least um when writing descriptive text they're describing three of the senses that they're getting at not just uh-huh. what they see what they smell what they hear um what they feel or uh if it's cold you know that is cold or if they you know they, they can smell the the acrid um the, you know the acid um down in the sewers or they can you know um they feel the, the the hairs on the back stand up you know like you said all, all the senses but including at least three i think gives a well-rounded mm-hmm. um description without uh being too much too as much well.
1: too much uh yeah because there there is you gotta a re- leave
2: a little you gotta leave a little bit for the imagination as well yeah it's yeah true. for
1: sure um one of our <laughs> listeners actually has a really good uh good example here where he says when you describe something completely normal Um, but each time you describe it, introduce, uh, an inconsistency that will slowly, uh, leave little clues and unravel it as you, as you go do it, which (laughs) is really interesting. And I think in the haunt, when you first see the, the, the little doll thing, all you see is its eyes like peering through the window. Right. Um, or at least maybe that's how I ran it. I guess I don't remember. (laughs) It's been been a couple of years. No, you're right.
2: Two little crisp blue eyes. Yep. Or just
1: poking through and that's that. Okay. You know, their eyes, but you don't know to what. And then you walk in and you describe. You see this little, you know, child's play creature thing sitting there, all innocently not doing nothing. And then you can correlate. Oh, you a closer inspection, you know that the eyes are a little blue, you know, and it just kind of goes hand that's over right. hand as you 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 move through it.
2: Sure, <laughs> and that's sort of bringing that tension
0: back and back and back. Mm-hmm. You want to talk yeah. about tension for this? This particular game, uh, it wasn't just that there was the doll. <laughs> I put more than one doll mm-hmm. into it, and only one of them was real, but they all mm-hmm. had sapphire eyes.
1: Oh, like they're just planted throughout the house? Yeah, Ooh. like
0: w- one of the rooms was Ooh. just a uh, doll, doll, dollatarium, mm-hmm. or whatever, <laughs> where it's just a shelf of dolls with blue eyes, and they're like, I don't know.
1: Dude, and you could totally have yeah. them moving <laughs> around and stuff. Like, the other doll is grabbing them and moving them, so it looks like there's... Oh, my gosh. That's great. <laughs> just behind them, not moving their heads and stuff. <laughs> then you gotta... That's where that percepti- perception would really come in. You see little scuffs, uh, scuff marks on the, on the ground, you know, uh, uh, that weren't there a
3: moment ago as you heard the skittering across the floor, you know? You know, building off that, I, looking- I can see actually a strong argument for horror games in particular, and of course, make sure your parents are okay with this. Right, right. Is make sure that... Yeah, yeah. As, instead of having the players roll for perception and all that, have the DM roll that behind the screen. Mm. So, so, so mm. obviously, you can get descriptions like, you swear you see something move in the corner of your eye, but when you dart that direction, there's nothing there. Mm, Shadow people.
1: And that's interesting because you take away, because no matter how much we try, we know that players, if they know they got like a three, are going to respond as if they got like a three on the roll. So I do see yeah. that there is a yeah. benefit to that because they're not going to have that meta knowledge to know how high they rolled to determine what they see you know and so that's really interesting it's the same
2: as, yeah it's the same as what they did with uh with tomb of annihilation right with the navigation rules yeah. where you with the dms rolling the um the the survival check behind the screen you yeah. get a real sort of a
4: backstory
2: uh, you learn something about him that gives you a bit of empathy for him and you're like oh maybe it's not so bad but then he's probably going to die.
4: <laughs> They're setting you up
0: for this. There's <laughs> such a cliche in horror movies nowadays. You can I'm not sure if you, can, it pick, is. you yeah. can pick people. It's like, oh yeah, he's done. Oh it, it flashed out for a second <laughs> and he says he's got two weeks left until retirement. You know he's fucking dead. Oh that's funny. Yeah. Oh um
1: so
2: But that just sort of leads into the tropes. Okay. Right? we're back. And, uh, tropes are handy as
0: well. Yeah. Um. So we got the uh <clears throat> uh ability to use the uncanny and unknown as a tool for fear.
1: What do you mean? Uh,
0: the uncanny means mm. a situation, object, surrounding, uh, surroundings, or a person that is off from what it should be. It's a peculiar mm-hmm. situation or sensation, like something in your gut that is telling you to run away. What makes dolls and clowns so creepy? <laughs> that's
1: a really good example because they're meant to be funny and adorable, but it's uh, something
0: that's, you know.
1: yeah, right. It's something that is just off about them. And I think the, the well, I hate to go back to the, mm. the child's play, but it does it really good. It's meant to be a doll, but it looks like it's going to kill you, <laughs> but it's not because it's got like a, a damaged, you know, face or it's ripped apart. It just gives an unsettling feeling. And I think that you can apply yeah. that to a lot of inanimate objects, mm-hmm. um, and especially in a game of D anD D where you can make things come to life, like animated armor. Um, I think that that even makes it even more so. Yeah, um, the,
0: the fear of the unknown haunts us all yeah. the time. Yeah, this simply means a situation unfamiliar to us is uh, playing out. We can end up dead yeah. in <laughs> a number of horrible, frightening ways. And information about our surroundings is key for security. Which is uh, actually something reminded right. me as to why uh, that video game Dead Space was so successful is because the person who made it he was also on sets of like uh, Friday the 13th and all those old horror movies and he specifically says the best form of horror and fear is the absence of horror and fear
1: Yes, so mm. when I was younger, yes. I was playing the, the, the Doom. The, it was like the new 3D Doom, right? Doom 3. And yeah, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I will never forget this stupid hallway. I walked down this hallway with my little flashlight. I'm terrified. I was like, something's going to jump out at me. And so I'm looking around. I can hear things crawling, in the. Th- and I get to the end of it, and I was actually devastated that nothing jumped out at me. Like, my heart was racing, and there was nothing. <laughs> like The expectation the old, drove I- me.
2: That's right. It's like the original Alien movie, right? You don't even see the alien for like a good two thirds of that movie, nope. yep. um, but it's, it's all about the tension and looking around corners in dark places, um, and and just seeing sort of the 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 traces of, of, of the alien. Uh-huh. But you don't see the alien, so it's all that tension building up again, and um, and it's the absence of, of the horror as well that that keeps that tension there.
3: Right. I, but I, going I off it. of that. Like, I I don't watch horror movies in general, but many of them I have watched, I've lost comedy I'm like, hey, we're going to get a jump scare in three, two, <laughs> and you can predict it. Right. Yeah. And that kind of, for yeah, me at least, yeah, gives yeah, me yeah. some tension. but there are some that I watched, like, uh, I'm drawing a blank on there. What was the uh, Stephen King movie in the hotel?
0: <laughs> the Shining?
3: Yeah. Like, there was what? Yeah. Like, the best jump scare was, like, I was just, I did the countdown on my head, I'm like, wait, nothing happened. <laughs>
0: You are like right. let go. And, and then it
3: happened. <laughs> oh my god. 45, sec- Get 45 <laughs> seconds later. Popped up. I like
0: that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
3: But, yeah it's clever. But also, one thing that you always want to do too is we got to develop a spooky setting. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Jinky. Like, building a horror <laughs> setting should be a fun, creative exercise. And we all know the creepy elements mm. of a place that can send chills down our spine. Yards. Yep. Really. Mansions, second houses. Looking at what we've gone over there. so far, though, you can start. yeah. Building a thing that brings the fear to life. So
1: how does? Uh, so I couldn't agree with this more because I'm terrified of cemeteries, which is weird because I don't believe in ghosts. I've never seen one. I have no reason to believe that something's going to crawl out of the ground and attack me. Yeah. But it is so uncomfortable. What What are some or ce- uh, settings that the haunt trilogy takes place in that really brings out that um, that horror theme?
2: Yeah. So there's, uh, I guess, there's two major settings in the trilogy. Uh, there's an old uh, ancient haunted mansion, uh, which you don't really know is completely haunted until you get into it. But um, you could probably tell from the, from the outside. And people go into it knowing, right, so this place is haunted. So they already know how they should be feeling. Uh, walking into this place, they're already feeling uneasy looking at it, right? Um, and the other one is is a is a is an old uh, ruined sanitarium or or old hospital. Right. Um, that that just sets my <laughs> spine on <and> chills.
1: <laughs> well, and I, I agree with the hospital too because um, hmm. you, there, so much darkness happens in a hospital, and so yeah. when you're in a sp- Place oh, yeah. where it's dark, and you know people have died here. I mean, that's that's worse than the cemetery. At least the cemetery, they arrive dead. <laughs> here be, in a hospital, people die <laughs> yeah. and they come back.
0: <laughs> this, this is happens. <laughs> every time I walk to a cemetery, yeah. it's like, oh, okay. And then all the, and then all the other
2: stuff that sort of happens right to to their bodies uh, before they're dying as well, which is
0: probably worse. Right. I tell you what. If I walk <laughs> into a cemetery and I see a gravestone with Iron bars over it, then I might be afraid. Why? Wow. <laughs> because they're trying to keep something from coming out. <laughs> yeah, they're prepared. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I'm sorry, Grandma.
1: I love you, but uh, you did me wrong. I make sure you come back.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you put raisins in my fucking cookies Chuck in the closet. <laughs> oh
1: yeah. my gosh! So, uh, so a setting is certainly important. Oh and yeah and it's not just the the location but the way the location is presented you know a house isn't mm-hmm. spooky unless it's rickety and falling apart and dark and sure. dusty okay. and cobwebs you know so the 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 dungeon dressing or the event, the setting dressing is just as important as the setting i mean mm. once again if you watch any movies or read any books, the, the the horror of the hospital, when it's covered in bright lights, isn't that terrifying. But as soon as the lights go out and all mm. that's on is the emergency red lights, mm. it becomes significantly more terrifying. Mm. So those are the things you really
0: but want it's
2: a to flicker- touch on. Flickering light or something like that. Oh, but,
0: yeah. You know what's terrifying? Oh, my yeah. God. I had to help my wife uh, hang a... Uh, art stuff that helping us... his wife is terrifying yes that's terrifying <laughs> i had to help her hang all this artwork up in one of her schools and we kept the the lights off so all we had was sunlight coming in through the halls it's mm-hmm. very very it's creepy it's dark there's no one there there's lockers everywhere and if you've ever played fear yeah
4: mm-hmm.
0: you have to walk through a school it makes and me, makes me cry every time i turn my back and like i think of that fucking game <laughs>
1: Yeah, there was I remember playing that, and there was a little girl that flashed in a scene. But it was one of those things, looking through a window and then turning and looking through the same window. Those things uh, really are opportunities for um, uh, to really get the, the the element of surprise and fear there. You know, especially when it, yeah. uh, a party wanders through a hallway and nothing happens, and then they have to come back through the hallway and something happens because they 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 they're what is it? They're they're they're. Um, Expectations is oh we already been through here so there's gonna be no issue, um, and I think mm-hmm. I did that really uh, in the haunt I think I did that where there is a chandelier that falls if I remember right. Yep. But I didn't have it fall right away. <laughs> they passed through that area a couple times before it finally just uh, crushed sure. somebody. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, why didn't yeah. it fall before? They're like that's a good question. Is something following us? <laughs> <laughs> so, that should have been stable. <laughs> you know. I remember reading a few articles
2: for
3: yeah. like, the uh, demo for the game PT, which was supposed to be a prototype for the, for Silent Hills. Mm-hmm. And apparently everybody described like, mm-hmm. if you want this like perfect horror tension, this demo seemed to nail it. And hackers, when they tore that file apart, found out like the main monster, they actually had it following you the entire time. <laughs> That's
1: terrifying. <gasps>
3: so you were always uh, <laughs> being followed.
1: Dude, you could totally get away with that with mm. like a uh, what is the the invisible stalker, right? That's kind of its shtick. Yeah, yeah. Um but instead of it just outright yep. attacking you, it pushing and moving and pulling things to instill Stomping that into you. Yeah. That's <laughs> I love no, it. No. <laughs> Which kind of so it's, le- like, it's, it's like
2: Jaws. It's like Jaws, right? When, when the sharks come up and bump them and they're like swimming in the water, but they don't see it. Yeah, they've been hit by like something, <laughs> right? So that that's that's another sort of form of of terror there. I think
1: fear of the unknown. Yeah. What was that? Touch my leg. I know mm. when I'm in the ocean. I hate going in the ocean. At- <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: me too.
3: <laughs> Actually, like one thing I can't read from my head was like, let's say like the players described marching order, and you of course describe like, yep, you hear the footsteps, and like you say. Like, I tell each individual player what they hear, and then like, uh, like you hear fo- you get to march forward. You hear footsteps behind you. Wait, wait a second. I'm in the back of the line. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> Does that make or, any sense?
2: <laughs> or, me- or, or messing with their senses. You know, you hear footsteps over, over to the right, and then then you you feel something brush up against your neck from behind, and that just sort of sets off conflicting senses i think
0: is is a good one too Mm.
1: um so that leads us into our our next uh kind of talking point here that's uh
0: building a significant threat to build tension our killer or monster or ghost needs to be a serious threat this is the case with most tabletop rpgs in the genre but it's important to reiterate Mm. this point of heroic games as well oh oh yeah
3: And I feel like this can become more and more difficult potentially the higher level your characters are. It's like, oh no, we're stuck inside this hell dimension. Dimension door. (laughs) I'm out. (laughs) Planes walk.
0: (laughs) It's something (laughs) that I absolutely love about the haunt. I haven't checked out the.
3: Or uh, polymorphic, like like the big giant mess into a squirrel.
0: (laughs) I haven't checked out the second haunt yet, or the third one. Yeah. But in the first one, yes, every creature in there is a major threat to the players and not once do they mm-hmm. ever see it coming. Yep. yep. That's what I like yeah. most about them. Yep. <laughs> can, we, can we just, uh, I
1: just want oh, yeah. to ta- show everyone this for a second. This is, so you You you've had three of these, and you just released your your special edition uh, uh, book here, the, the Haunt okay. Trilogy. Um, it's very mm-hmm. difficult for anybody that doesn't know to get a physical books on DM's
3: Guild. Yeah.
1: So kudos to you for yeah. achieving that. Um, Thanks,
3: man. Uh, I know that that yeah, takes a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, or Garwin. Oh, even better. Yeah, it's
2: been in the making for a while. <laughs>
3: yeah. Tell the second to last person in the line they say they don't hear anything behind them. The wizard was taken by a face spider. yes i approve of this message
1: um so actually i guess we only got one more point on our notes before we get in because i do want to talk about some of the stuff that you've done in here that i think is really clever and really unique that's unique to this book as far as i've seen i mean i don't own any book that's similar to it so um uh, we mentioned uh the build a significant threat um this ties in with don't be afraid to kill your
3: characters um play your characters
1: yes characters player characters, whatever character, any character, <laughs> um, because that also steps up the level of fear, because a good example in in, in The Haunt, when I ran it, um, my you go through the, the, you see the little vision uh, that happens in one of the, like, the dining room or something, and then there's a oh. place where, I don't remember if there was already a weapon there, or I just placed a magic sword, but there's a zombie beholder. It was,
2: yeah. Um, yeah. And in the pool. In the pool,
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I had a player who was gung ho on about getting that thing, and it because the other player characters or players weren't willing to leave them to die, even though it was due to their own, you know, uh, mm. incompetence. I guess I don't know the right word. A but, different player yep. died from that encounter. <laughs> uh, yes, another player died from it by this the disintegration ray thing that I <laughs> that I used and. Yep. Um, and that player was always <laughs> mad at the other player because he only died because the other player t- wanted a weapon.
3: And would not retreat.
1: And would not retreat, yes. <laughs> um, and, but that just shows, like, once that happened, they're like,
3: all right, maybe we should go somewhere else.
1: This place
2: is dangerous. <laughs> right.
3: Now, this does, to me, double down something I always think is important to RPGs in general. But even more important with horror games... Your actions have consequences. Yes,
1: absolutely. That's super, super important. And um, I think that that really becomes out in horror, uh, horror themes more so than regular D&D style games.
0: Yeah. Um, there was it, one for my players was on the second floor when they realized that there was such a massive threat. Because they took care of the Beholder problem because mm-hmm. they had their own strategy and tactics. It's like, okay, that was pretty smart. That worked. When they got upstairs, there was the... Uh, the ghost, if you remember correctly. I do. Mm-hmm. The person who found the body got possessed like that. She just snagged him. Mm-hmm. what they do? They go to the laundry room where there's that big bat of water,
4: mm-hmm.
1: and
0: they try to drown him. <laughs> <laughs> Time to drown, biatch. And then they can't get, get him to release, so uh, uh, the cleric, I think, that um, mm-hmm. create water.
1: Create and destroy water?
0: Create and destroy water. They got rid of the water. And after the ghost noticed the water was gone, they screamed, did psychic damage to him, let go, ran over the stairs, unpossessed him, and threw him down the steps. <laughs> oh, That's God. awesome. I love that.
1: <laughs> um, <Ooh>. It's
3: brutal. <laughs> and they are like, fuck. Or a good way to mess with a player's senses is make one player in particular think that they're surrounded by monsters and they start attacking them. Yes, but actually, the other party members. Oh. I
1: ran, I ran an adventure where I did that. I I restructured the the mass suggestion spell to be more like mass fear. Yeah, and it created basically the mm. the, the 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 what is it? Psych uh, phantasmal force? No, the other
3: one, uh, phantasmal oh, killer, killer. Yes,
1: which is basically the the psychic. You see your worst fear, and it you made me all-
3: feel like a complete dick one time. I I casted that on somebody. I don't remember. <laughs> it was a giant. <laughs>
1: I still don't remember. I play so much d and I'm sorry.
3: When I can't, i like the Fire Giant's wife.
1: Oh my god! Yeah, you're such a dick. <laughs> I'm
0: the dick.
3: Well, I was role playing. That, <laughs>
1: Anyways, so uh, the other thing I want to uh, touch on um, is that uh, to do horror, there has to be. Don't be afraid just to set. We talked about the setting, but don't be afraid to make the players where the players are physically at um setting the atmosphere which Phil touched on briefly when we started with dimming the mm. lights and having creepy music and those are all things that really really help um fill their imagination with these yeah. thoughts and because of that don't be afraid to include a more physical aspect to the game so when I ran the haunt I had uh pre-worked out with my wife that I would call her at a certain time there's a part in the adventure where you're climbing up the stairs and there's some pounding or something coming from the end of the hall on the other side of this door and um and so when they were creeping down the hallway step by step they're worried you know they've been running into this little demon Devil doll thingy, and they found a flesh <laughs> yeah. golem in the basement and some shit, and so they're getting kind of curious. So I had texted her. I was like, "Hey, I need you to get out here." And so, if, for those who don't know, my on my the show studio in my office is uh, separate from the house. So I texted her. She came up to the outside of the door of the room we're in. All the lights are dim. We only have candlelight. And then when I I basically she could hear me through, and I says, as you guys approach a loud thunderous bang, and she started slamming on the door, and they all jump out of their seats and so to me yeah, cool. um, there's you can do more than just uh you know using words to 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 describe uh the the scenario you can get more. Physical with it, um, don't make anybody uncomfortable. Though, oh,
3: definitely.
1: Yeah, so I would say if they peed themselves, <laughs> I would count that as a win.
3: Well, it depends on what kind of uncomfortable you're talking about, too. I mean, it's one thing to mention to your players, like, "Hey, I am going to ru- run a horror game. I will screw around with your emotions a little bit." That's what we're going for. Yep. Yep. But as I mentioned before, mm. I had a DM in one game who actually screamed at the top of their lungs, like an ear piercing shriek, and it was so loud it actually made me physically hurt my my ears. And I got a punch punchy guy, not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the,
1: something similar with an air horn <laughs> under the table. So. Yeah.
3: There's definitely a line there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh. uh
3: yeah, there's absolutely a yeah. line, yeah. Um,
1: so now I wanna talk more about your book, because there's something very specific about this that really separates it uh, from other things. But before I do that, is there anything you wanna talk about that's in it that we should uh, cover that really helps and uh, really helps people run the great horror adventure that is The Haunt or something similar?
4: Yeah, look, um,
2: I think you touched on it before with the setting the atmosphere is a, is a big thing. It's, I think I, I, I put it in the first few lines of the, or at least the first page of the book It's just setting the scene or setting the, the room up. Um, use dim lights, use candlelight. That'll bring the whole experience in, into the table, into the middle of the table and keep it between yourselves, the players, no distractions around. The, the darkness beyond the table is, not there um and that really just brings it all in and, and really sets that that tone that that sort of um, dulcet tone which you can then boost up whenever mm-hmm. you want like you, you you'd be talking in in uh, really hushed tones while everyone's in at the table really focused in what's happening and then bang you've got a, you've got a <laughs> there and ready to go you know <laughs> just slam that table and they won't be expecting it and that, that'll just sit, set the heart going, that'll set the tension, and that'll set the time for the entire game.
1: Yeah. Um, and you, you really do a, a good job of providing guidance on those in the book as well as in this episode, so thank you. Um, but there's some stuff you <laughs> did in here that I want to talk about because I want to know how you came up with the idea. Um, first of all, uh, yeah, okay. you have customized character sheets for your adventure, which I think is yeah. awesome. I, the little creepy doll staring at you is um, a terrifying thing to look down at every time you're looking at your character <laughs> sheet. So uh, kudos to to you with that. But yeah.
2: The thing you did. Yeah, that, that that was that was a good friend Dante he who, who put that together for me. He's a ch- absolute champion. Yeah. Really really good. Friend. So, so he, he, he did a really good job on that.
3: <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, something I'm actually seeing on some posts, just because it's now October. People, you've seen a lot more Halloween or horror theme posts in general, fishing d and mm-hmm. groups. And one post I just read actually pointed out something that I actually pointed out in chat the other day. Which is, can get hurt each other in 5B, since so their claws are neither magic nor silver. And they're immune to non-magical bludgeoning, slashing, <laughs> and piercing. That's how they
1: keep themselves from wiping out themselves in a fight.
3: And I just think <laughs> that's something to keep in mind when you build creatures in general or run a horror-themed setting yes it's it's like, as, oh, it's like oh no these worlds are fighting each other they can't hurt each other you <laughs> <laughs> um
1: so the thing i want to talk about and i want to ask you about is you put in yep. here special sheets that track the encounter and have the yeah, monster yeah, stat one. blocks have the monster stat blocks and everything on like a page which yeah yeah is um, just so cool how did you even how did you even come up with that idea
2: I really just wanted the book to be grab it off the shelf and you've got everything you need other than your friends and your dice. So in this book, you, you can you've got everything pretty much. Uh, you've got your maps, you've got your, uh, you've got your minis, you've got your um, encounter tracker or your initiative tracker. It's got initiative down one uh-huh. side. You've got the um, you've got each monster in there, and that's I, I made one of those. I filled out one of these sheets for every single combat encounter right. expected in, in 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 the entire trilogy so you've got you've got a big thick a uh, lot of thick counters and they're look they're designed to be used as as a textbook uh, to use at the table in that book and now i know a lot of people aren't going to want to write in their book or cut out <laughs> things from their book but that is it's designed for that right so right. um so they, they, they used to be so you can track uh notes so you can track hp on on those sheets at the table it's got everything you need all on one page nice. ready to go for every single every single encounter it's got a separate one
1: and what's even cool is you have some that uh like if this encounter only had a ghost in it you have a uh, blank spots you left here that you can fill in your own monsters if you want to enhance yeah, the, right. the combat which once again dude this is awesome so one thing that so, uh we'll talk about it here in a minute, but in one of the, the adventures we just wrote, one of the things that I hated about all the books I have is all the monsters in the appendix. So, I'm constantly flipping back and forth, and it drives me bonkers. Now, I do understand that makes it easier to find, but in the same token, I'm using it right here. This is where I want it. And so, being able to either scan this or print it off or just rip it right out of the book and sit it on the table for easy reference is fantastic and very clever. Not to mention the paper minis.
2: I was just going to say and that that just uh, leads into being able to run a, a great horror horror game as well, right? You you don't want to be breaking immersion with by flicking through a book. You want to have it all right there, ready to You want that flow just to keep going because you're you're setting that scene and it's all about that that atmosphere.
1: Yeah, I, I love the the paper minis that are in here. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about those? Uh, I people can see but... guys. One
2: of them. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Um, yeah. They're, 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 uh, Held up! one of the paper minis made up in front of the camera. Yeah,
1: I was trying. Was it? It's. Oh, shit. I'm, I'm dropping failing. things. But that,
2: there it is. Um. <laughs> um, yeah, look. Um, that was uh, the, uh, the artist that, that made those is Paper Golem. So go check uh, him out on. Patreon, I think, is his best place, or or um, Twitter, but he's awesome. So he makes. I've seen he's made a whole heap of um, paper minis for a lot of the uh, official Uh hardcovers. So and he's a fellow, he's a fellow Aussie as well. So I've got I got in touch with him and um, and he was able to come on board to do all these paper minis. So basically, I've made um, we've put into the book every single unique uh, monster. So if there's five say five uh, maniacs we've got five maniacs in 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 you know, one of the appendixes that you can just cut out and okay. use at the table. So so we've got one one mini per each individual monster throughout the entire book. So That's you've nice. got like heaps and heaps of these minis to to put together but they're they're the ready to cut out and and fold up and put straight onto your table. <laughs> awesome like I, I, I wanted everybody to to be able just to you know, have that experience and, and not be using say a coin for for a ghost or whatever i wanted them to have a mini that they could put down That's as fair. part of purchasing the book i wanted them to have everything that they possibly have that right. you could get from a book uh to make that experience as special as possible
3: and i'll say you definitely like, perforated like uh, pages on there and Obviously, not everybody It's like everyone's to like tearing actual pages out of the physical book. But that doesn't mean you can't scan it. That doesn't mean you can like uh print it yeah. from the PDF. <laughs> we um, have it.
2: Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So so I, I, I offer offer a PDF version as well. And um. Yep. And. I offer, if you buy if you buy the hardcover, there's also an option to buy the hardcover with the PDF for at no extra cost. Nice. Of course, I know that people aren't going to want to cut out the books. As much as it's designed for that, they're, they're not going it's to. It's an ex- so, excellent uh, marketing <laughs> uh,
1: ploy, by the way. Kudos. Yep. What's
2: yeah, that? Sorry, mate.
1: Excellent marketing ploy. Hey, you can cut these out, but since I know you won't, here you go. <laughs> you can get the PDF too <laughs> for a few extra Man. dollars.
2: You get you get the PDF for
1: free. So yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, okay. i to put it on for another buck like hey, another buck. Anyways, um so <laughs> <laughs> I'm a greedy bastard apparently. Uh anyways, I love the haunt. I love running <laughs> horror. Um and I think uh one think of so. the reasons I invited you on is because I think your adventure really nailed it. Um no matter how many times I run it that theme comes across. So um, if you're you yeah, have, look,
2: big shout out to Travis Leg as well. He, he he helped me write the second and third uh, modules in in the trilogy, yep. and he did a fantastic job with with a lot of his stuff as well. That's in there, so he he did a, he did a lot of a lot of work on that as well.
3: Wonderful. It just occurred to me that we didn't touch on the fact that don't be afraid to use like props or other tools. Like, like, if you're out playing in person, you can like dim the lights, or you can use like a music words yeah, what have you?
1: We did talk we did about, about that. About that.
3: Must have been in the chat. All right. <laughs> All right. The fun one, though, It's like a play a heartbeat in the background on low volume. Oh, my God. Thump, thump. Yeah. Thump, thump. Right. And as you thump, read up the, t- the, the tension, increase the heart rate.
0: Oh, fuck you. Ooh. really cool one I like to
2: use is uh, quite a funny one. It's um, it's the SpongeBob SquarePants theme slowed down by 800 times 800 or something like that. Ah. And it's freaking... It Fucking, um, go look it up on YouTube and it is, and it is so unnerving. Um, and it's just the perfect background sort of ambience, not even music, it's just ambience.
1: I, I thought you were <laughs> running a SpongeBob. horror theme. Why is this titled SpongeBob SquarePants? Yeah, <laughs>
2: don't worry about That's it, right. but man, have a look at it. It's, it's I cool. will.
1: <laughs> All right, that'll do it for our main topic. Uh, before we move on to our unearthed tips and tricks. We have a shameless plug. Um, we, we have to. We. We've we've spent talking about the, how awesome the haunt is. Um, now we want to talk to you about something we're working on. Shame. <laughs> Shame.
0: Yeah. Shame. Uh, one of the best parts about role playing games isn't just the fantastic battles; it's the memorable locations that they take place in, and the interesting NPCs <laughs> that our her- heroes 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 encounter. <laughs>
3: We are so excited to announce the Extraordinary Expeditions at launches on Kickstarter on October 12th. Yeet! <laughs> Extraordinary Expeditions is inspired
1: by one of my favorite adventure themes, Dungeon Delves. Modular adventures that can be grabbed from the shelf and ran with little or no prep at all. The adventures are written in such a way that everyone at the table gets to experience their favorite pillars of roleplay. <sighs> Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, The first adventure from Extraordinary Expeditions is called Far Touched, and you all get it free right now on our homepage at CritAcademy.com. It's true.
1: Assuming the wife has fixed the link because I just checked it and it wasn't working. So (laughs) to be determined, you can also head on over to (laughs) (laughs) uh, rebrand.ly slash extraordinary expeditions um, uh. oh she says she fixed it you're good to go <laughs> so please consider uh, picking it out, uh picking it up checking it out um, I really uh, a lot of work's gone into this uh, I want to thank RJ Productions who's also partnered with us to do this so mm-hmm. hopefully you guys will like it if you're looking to top off not just the creepy horror theme with the haunt but Far Touch deals with a lot of alien far realm type stuff which is just creepy in and of itself so consider checking out it is free if you do like it please leave a rating or review and help other people find it and maybe back us when the kickstarter goes live
2: and now what you've all been waiting for our Unearth tips and tricks segment where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and dms
1: Alrighty. So, Ian, would you like to tell us about our uh, character concept today?
3: Our character concept is Charlene Pumperstamp, a female gnome. (laughs) Say that five times fast, I catch. Uh, Her description is she's uh, runty and weak-looking, and she wears a long yellow cloak, which she also keeps her silver hair in a pixie cut. Her eyes are a deep amber, and her teeth are white and... Near perfect, personality-wise, she's a lively one. Has a spring in her step and bounces in her breeches. Quite clearly she is obsessed <laughs> with dancing. She constantly tries to fill her life with a variety of dancing. Her brief stint in her town militia gave her the, which for her wasn't enough. Curse was vampirism in a very young age. Oh no! That escalated quickly. Charlene has worked very hard to control <laughs> her curse. She hopes to save up enough money to one day pair- pay a clerk to remove the curse. And her motivation, her name, or reputation has been wrong in the past. <laughs>
1: I'm sorry, you guys. <laughs> Going out on <I'm>, people. <laughs> you can blame my wife for that one. They're having, like, some big comeback tour thingy. Anyway, so, uh, uh, what do you think... What was that
2: movie where there was, that I think it had, was an interview with the vampire, something like that, where there was uh, one of the characters was, a, like, a little girl.
1: Yeah. It's because, um... She's very upbeat and lively. That's something that honestly I don't generally see at a D and D table. Um, nope. and mm. everyone always has these. Her reliving those moments with the ones she loves, and so she's making new memories, knowing they're gonna. Die. I don't know. Just it seems so deep to me. They can be so deep if you you play it right. So
2: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. lot of depth. Yeah. <laughs> but
1: for our character <laughs> concept, um, our monster variant of the podcast is. The remnant oozling The origin. You're going to start with the stat block of the Minotaur because we like to give you guys, you know, most of the hard work done for you with the CR and everything, right? You're going to lose sight, language, and its great axe. We're going to give it some new features: damage resistance to acid, cold, and fire, because you know it's a and shit. We're going to give it immunities to blind, charmed, and deafened, and we're going to give it a blind sight sc- out to sixty feet, which means it's beyond- blind beyond this radius. <laughs> We're, of course, going to give it the amorphous ooze ability that um, uh, so long as the ooze doesn't have uh, uh, any bones engulfed, it can move through a space as narrow as one inch wide without squeezing. But, Justin, that's weird. What do you mean, bones? Well, let's get into into that in a second. (laughs) We're going to give it a bloodied condition, which means when the ooze has less than half of its hit points, it compresses and releases any bones that it may have in an explosive barrage. Each creature on a 15-foot radius uh, cone or sphere uh, around the ooze must make a deck save or take 66... uh, I put piercing. That probably could be better bludgeoning or piercing, depending on how you want to roll with it. Yeah. On a failed save or half as much on a successful one, the creature then abandons the bones and attempts to escape until it finds a suitable replacement. So what are we going to do? We're going to give it the shape changer on top of that. So now that it explodes, it also can change shape. So the remnant... Yeah, the remnant ooze uh can shape and change its form by engulfing a set of creatures bones that is large or smaller. The process takes 1d4 hours depending on the size and wi- uh how much of the corpse flesh remains that needs to be dissolved. Upon completion of taking the new form of the bones, the ooze takes the general form and features of the bones. This is its strength, dex and hit points are all the same as the engulfed creature. Additionally, it gains any physical features the bones may have possessed during uh, before being consumed. The ooze's uh, slam damage is reflected by the shape of the bones consumed. The damage die is 1d6 for small creatures and increases by an additional d6 for every uh, size beyond that. We're, sorry, there's a lot here. <laughs> uh, up to large. Up to large. We're also going to give it Corrode Metal, because it corrodes shit. That's what it's going to do, which means it's going to give penalties uh, to weapons and armor, which can destroy it. Uh, And the ooze can eat eat through four inches thick of non-magical metal in one round. Now, we're also going to give it the slam, which I promise is the last ability. (laughs) We're going to give it the slam, uh, which means it does bludgeoning damage plus acid damage. Um, you can get the stat block for this on our, our Patreon page. If you want the whole thing or on our show notes on our website and the target, if the target is wearing metal armor, uh, it's armor is partly corroded, which then deals a cumulative minus one to its AC. If the armor penalty is reduced to AC of 10, it is destroyed per a lot of the, the oozes to begin with. That's a lot to unpack. Um, so I have to ask Phil, what do you think about this, uh, remnant oozing?
2: other than it being a five page stat block um <laughs>
4: <laughs> no it's
2: a, now this thing could be oh, this is something you you set up in a dungeon way ahead of time and this is something that you introduce to them as po- possibly an npc that you can then Start to then they'll start to sort of see things happen uh, with that shape change, right? Yeah. Um, that, you know, they touch you and, they, and it sort of stings a little bit with the burn or thing, uh-huh. things like that and start introducing parts of, parts of it its um, abilities to them and then bang, ex- explosive
0: bones in the <laughs> middle of the party. <laughs> the, uh, I'd love to hear what, uh, what do you think, Brandon? I can see the DM being a total dick with this creature.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and, that, and that
0: is that, uh, uh, what, what was it? It's ability where it can uh, squeeze through anything to try to escape? hmm Yeah. What if it's trying to squeeze through the dirt and stuff and trying to figure out how to, how to get out? And it just so happens to stumble upon... Bogans? Uh Yeah, uh, tarasque bones.
1: <laughs> well, it got all up to large.
0: Oh, up to large. Okay. So maybe it'll
1: just be the Trask's head. I don't know. Um, (laughs) So the thing I really liked about this is... uh, Waka, 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 waka. Honestly, I can't take credit for this idea. Um, In the the Mistborn series, they have oozlings that consume bones and shape change. They're contras, I think. Uh, And uh, (laughs) I took this idea from that because I love the idea of having a well-defined enemy consistently. So...
3: Uh, yeah, yep. Yeah, definitely. I love our users in our chat. <laughs> How to Horror. Murder mystery where the culprit is a changeling, four level assassin, four level gloomstalker with alert and either mobile or sharpshooter feats, and expertise in stealth and deception, wearing glamorous studded leather. <laughs> Anybody could be the killer.
1: We want to uh, uh, reiterate we want to scare the player characters, not necessarily kill them. Yep. Um, and yeah. that sounds like they're going to die. <laughs> that's what some, that sounds like. <laughs> so
3: somebody is. Or
1: some, maybe one of the players is already dead and has been replaced by this thing. <gasps> God,
4: that's God. Yeah.
1: Anyways, all right. So that'll do it for our, our monster that, variant, the Remnant Oosling. That's where
3: note passing can come in play. Right, right. Brandon, would you like to tell us about
1: our encounter our, of the podcast? Man, I'm sensing a theme. What is this? What, what do you, co- you don't like my encounter? Our
0: encounter? Everything is a pun with you. It's true. <laughs> Our encounter idea is called Hello Mummy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so much better when you say it.
0: Hello Mummy. Are you uh, my mummy. <laughs> Hello, Hello Mummy. Oh, it <laughs> was just another day in the I sleepy know. town of Blackhaven. <laughs> 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 It was just another day in the sleepy town of Blackhaven. The sun was shining, the air clear, and life had returned to normal. The annual harvest festival is in full swing. That was until a tremble ripped through the ground, shaking and breaking. A large rift appears outside, just outside the town, and protruding from it is the top of a pyramid.
1: That's weird. Where'd that come from?
0: It's a volcano. <laughs> Uh, cracks in the pyramid's top allow a strange odor wafts to allow a strange odor to waft through the air. Mm. It was like century old bacon <laughs> food and drink begins to quickly spoil <laughs> and around the town within one mile. Mummies begin to wander out from the pyramid. The characters are asked to investigate. wait you think they'd say yes. <laughs>
1: Hopefully, they're that's why they're adventurers.
0: If they if they ignore the oh, here right here. If they ignore the call, the town is overrun by mummies, and the entire area becomes a blight. A character who succeeds on a DC fourteen religion check can recall the burial rituals of mummification that helps protect a body from rot. With the help of dark priests, after burial, the dead are raised to protect treasures hidden inside. Mm, treasures. That's a good hook to go through. Okay. Uh, The characters (laughs) encounter encounter a multitude of traps throughout their expedition, such as a collapsing roof, um, poison darts in the the hallways, and guardian lightning-breathing statues. Because why not? (laughs) (laughs) they get tasered by a statue. (laughs) Deep inside, beyond the Grand Gallery, is the King-slash-Queen's Chamber uh, along with a horde of art, artifact. Oh, artifact. I thought it said artificial. Along with a horde of artifact treasures and coins worth two hundred and fifty-five gold pieces, resting on the sarcophagus is a ruby-hilted dagger of venom. you taste my venom. Uh, a character who succeeds <laughs> on a DC eighteen religion check, <laughs> check is aware of the common ritualistic practice of cursing treasure. With a dagger or. Treasure is picked up. The pyramid begins trembling and shaking. The characters have ten rounds. Uh, use a countdown die. Yep.
1: I'm a fan of those.
0: I love those. That'll uh, build
1: tension too for your hot horror games.
0: Gets down the tube. <laughs> <laughs> to escape before the pyramid sinks back into the ground and be imprisoned until they starve and die. A creature that takes treasure <laughs> from the lair is cursed until the treasure is returned. The cursed target has disadvantage at all saving throws. The curse lasts until removed by a remove curse spell or other magic.
1: What do you think, Phil?
0: Sounds fun. I love that, that, that curse, Trisha. <laughs> it just <laughs> brings him right back in,
2: doesn't
1: it? Well, <laughs> yeah. um. no, you're greedy. If you want it, you're going to have to stay. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of uh the movie The Mummy, where the guy is, like, hoarding all the little golden scarabs and turns out, oh, psych, yeah. you're going to die.
4: <laughs> yeah. Oh, it uh, nightmares.
1: Right, uh, <laughs> this is a pretty straightforward uh, mummy uh, encounter. Um, I really like this one because it uh, it does. We do talk a lot about using traps and stuff, and then of course the cursed items. Uh, you can make one item cursed or all of them. I chose to go with all of them because players are and characters are greedy as hell, and it doesn't matter what they take. Can you imagine them picking something up and then? uh having them you know get cursed and then think oh i'll take this dru- i'll remove it and then i'll pick up something else and they just keep getting cursed because i feel like that's what would happen um i do think that this works best um at lower levels than higher levels because if they have access to the remove curse spell um you want it to be uh it's it's gonna make it's gonna trivialize that unless everything they touch curses them because then you're just gonna go through spell slots and then the mummy lord's gonna find you and you're all boned <laughs> yeah um anything else on this anything you would add to it to make it better or uh totally change entirely
2: uh, I, think Ma- I think it's great mummy rot is
1: terrifying too yeah uh, so if you're not including Mummy Rot in your games, you're missing out. <laughs> well, that'll yeah. do it for our Encounter of the Podcast, Hello Mummy. Phil, would you like to tell us of our magic item that comes from The Haunt?
2: It does, from the first one. Um, Okay, so this is the Leech's Emerald from The Haunt 1. So it's a wondrous item. It's rare and it re- requires attunement. Uh, this... Green Emerald is the ancient relic imbued with necrotic energies by an, uh, an evil necromancer long ago. Its ma- its master and wielder, once attuned, can attempt to magically implant the emerald into the chest of any living creature. The creature must successfully win a grappling contest to be able to resist that attempt.
4: Yeah.
2: As a bonus action, the emerald's master can then use it to transfer Three D six hit points from the victim to the to them uh, to themselves if within sixty feet. So basically, you're just pulling HP across to you, leeching off of the uh, creature. The Emerald has uh, two charges per day and regains all of it uh, all of its expended charges daily at dawn. The gem exerts no control over the victim otherwise. But the master of the emerald knows its, uh, the creature's direction and distance at all times. If the emerald crosses into another plane, the owner knows which one. Nice. The gem, uh, sorry, uh, extraction, right. So extracting it, a skilled physician can remove the gem with a successful DC-17 intelligence medicine check. But the patient suffers 4d10 piercing <laughs> oh, no. damage on, e- on every attempt. Yeah. Oh no! If they
4: fail, that it's so dead. <laughs>
2: yeah, uh, a greater restoration spell can be used to eject the item as well. The Emerald uh, radiates evil and should be. And should its master ever use it for its intended purposes, their alignment permanently shifts one step closer towards evil.
0: I love this. Yep. You know what I hate about this so- item? Mm. My players, <laughs> What's uh, that? they were reading the, the end of it. Uh, mm. uh, their alignment permanently shifts a step closer to evil. Uh-huh. Well, they've wanted to use right. this gem so badly, and they figured out a way around it. How so? Oh. The cleric paladin put it him on himself, making the master the squishy player. So whenever the paladin gave himself temporary hit points, he'd have the players leech off of him to stay alive. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Whatever. <laughs> that's right nice, into his own like chest. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> Just like Iron Man, he's got. A I mean, it was, yeah, it was a smart. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It was a smart play. But I was like, I'm pretty sure it's not supposed to be used like that. But okay, that's creative. <laughs>
1: that's how you. That's how you do it. You get
0: inspiration. fun, man.
2: <laughs> I really like this because um
1: it really is. uh It really defines how dangerous. um the necromancers are in how they do anything to make themselves mm. better <laughs> like yeah. well i've just got yeah. 20 of these yeah, yeah. things that i've created <laughs> well okay you can only attune to 3 so the npc's got 3 of them and he's got 3 servants he just drains them every day to keep himself alive in yeah. mind do you guys ever watch mm-hmm. that chin chin chong uh, flick where one gets hurt and the other one feels it that's kind <laughs> yeah. of what i'm thinking of like uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh
3: get, ooh get him spire legs uh. he can get him remotely
1: <laughs> ooh i like that that's cool um I mm. thought this was really cool. I really had a lot of fun with it um when I ran it. That's why I wanted to include it. Um mm. to me the, the having <laughs> the so I anybody that doesn't know, I, I had the uh the doll was constantly running around and climbing up on people on their bodies. Um and when she got a hold of this thing, she was trying to shove it down their throat. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So you know, but, uh, nice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think that'll do it for our magic item, the Leecher's Emerald from the Haunt. I don't like that. What? What? <laughs> Chat just now. Flesh sewn into shaped stone into greater restoration equals living flesh bricks. What the hell? People <laughs> like <laughs> 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 <That's laughs> the most weird shit. I uh, love Squishy bricks. <laughs> <laughs> Not undead. Living. (laughs) Alright, so that'll do it for our magic item. Uh, Our Dungeon Master of the Tip is no nat 20 auto successes. Set a DC. So, no roll in your game should ever require a natural 20. This is an easy trap for new and veteran dungeon masters to fall into. There is a reason why natural 20s are only successful auto successes on attack rolls. So let's delve into some examples. Yep.
3: And we do want to reiterate that that is the only time a nat 20 is a natural success with rules as written.
1: Yes. Um, Your PCs want to do something, and you think to yourself, that's nearly impossible. The only way you're going to manage that is if you get a nat 20. Fight the urge to do this. Instead, set a difficulty class. The reason for this is simple. As awesome as a nat 20 is, they are completely random. Yep. Your player's influence is minimal when the dice roll. This essentially takes away player choice. And we can do better than that. So, for example, no matter how many stats, features, and feats a rogue takes to pump into their stealth, a warlock is just as likely to roll a nat 20 in the same situation. Would you guys agree? Yep. Yeah. So... In this example, let's make it outrageous. Let's say the DC is a 35 stealth check to make it past the Watchful Beholder. With a level 5 rogue that has expertise, we can easily attain a plus 11 to their bonus to stealth. So we're already off to a pretty great start, but that only brings us with a net 20 up to what? 31, right? Mm-hmm. But in this case, they're still not really going to get it, Right. But wait, the other players have a few ideas. The cleric prays to their deity and channels guidance, which adds uh, a d4 to the skill check. Then the bard speaks, uh, speaks up, giving words of inspiration. The ranger drapes the party and rogue in a veil of shadow and silence, adding pass without a trace to the mix. Now the rogue has a d4 plus a d8 plus 11 plus 10 to their stealth for a maximum of thirty three. Now we can't forget the D20, so in the end, it's still going to come down to chance, but because of the agency that we've given the PCs and the choices that the PCs have now made, the chance of success went from nearly impossible to extremely likely. This leads to a feeling of, A, accomplishment that wouldn't have been present previously. So go and set your DCs no matter how hard they may be. What do you guys think I want to hear from Phil first?
2: Yeah, um anything that'll give um the the players something to think about, a challenge to to try and get past you know um rather than just roll I miss roll I succeed make it it's it's a puzzle in itself for sure. And I think that's great. Anything that thinks, makes people think outside of the box uh, sort of reminds me of what we did with the Big B's book. I think you guys covered that too. Yeah, we um, did. I love that part. Yeah, yeah. It's the, same, it's the same sort of thinking, just thinking outside of the box, which really mm-hmm. makes the game go to that next level.
3: Yes. And once again, chat, one of the players says, just because the rogue has a plus 10 in stealth doesn't mean the enemy can't have a plus 12 perception. The rogue rolls a net 20, the enemy rolls a 19, the enemy wins by one.
1: Yeah. Still, a nat 20 Mm -hmm. goes back to anybody can get the nat 20, right? And if you're going to create it as an automatic success, it doesn't matter who rolls it, which is why we are encouraging you to set a DC, no matter how ridiculous you want it to be. Yeah. Um, Brandon, do you
0: have anything to add? Uh, This is a massive debate on TikTok. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I'm sure it is. Yeah, It is. (laughs) <laughs> and for rules, that's that's how I see it. A nat twenty doesn't mean auto success. No, it's just the way it is.
1: So, um, yep. so the question is: Is you guys going to can allow nat twenty successes in your games
0: when it comes to attacks?
1: And
2: nice. that's it. Nice answers. Attacks. Yep. <laughs> attacks
1: All right, that'll do it for our dungeon master tip. No nat twenty auto success. Set a DC. Our player tip of the podcast is: Don't, don't be a, a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by listening to Brandon.
0: Uh, let's see, we got here, missile trap. You can avoid dickitude with missile traps. <laughs> All right. That's also
3: like a good way to cause dickitude.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm starting to realize when I go towards the
3: op, because
1: early on we didn't do op player optimization stuff. Yeah. Um, but I'm slowly leaning towards people like that, so I'm going to include it, and I've been including it for a while, that's why we covered it be uh, other stuff. <laughs>
0: Let's talk about how, as players, we don't often set our own traps. Well, you may want to rethink this, uh, because PCs that have an for preparation uh, can pull off some amazing combos. The Glyph of Warding is a particularly nasty spell if you have time to prepare for it. Uh, For this, you're going to want to locate a room of any size. Uh, And for this example, we will use a small hallway that is 10 feet by 80 feet. That's a small hallway.
3: 80 feet is pretty long. (laughs) That's, I think it's more
0: referring to width.
1: Ten feet is pretty... Anyway. It's a school hallway, man. Come on. Who cares? Go. Yaggity <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Yes, uh, for this example, a small hallway that is ten feet by apparently eighty feet that you can lead the enemy to. This will give us uh, thirty-two five-foot squares. Next, you
1: want to cast a Glyph of warding with the spell Magic Missile stored in the ground with each five-foot area. Now repeat this 31 times, leaving one space blank. We can set a trigger to be anything we want. In this case, when insert evil bad guy's name here enters the area, it triggers our glyphs. Each trap releases three missiles for up to 15 damage each for a maximum total of
0: 465.
2: What the fuck? Now there's a bit of a weakness with this combo the first being the, the shield spell can stop the damage instantly reminding uh remember that uh that extra area that we left well that's uh going to cast the glyph of warding with the counter spell stored to it <laughs> set, <laughs> it's brutal
4: um set the trigger
2: to when the shield uh spell is cast
0: and voila an enemy no! Oh, gonna, magic not, missiles! <laughs> shield! Fuck you! <laughs>
3: oh shit! <laughs> okay. Not gonna lie though. My yeah. next question was: Yeah, but you can counterspell, 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 counterspell. Well, no, I counterspell. Counter somebody spell.
1: else would have to. Yes, because they're using the reaction already to cast. True. Shield.
3: I'm just saying. <laughs> well, yeah,
1: somebody else could, but you can't plan for everyone to have counter spell. I guess you could just Right. Safety first, maybe you do thirty squares mm. and leave yeah. two for counter spells. Only counter spell if somebody else counters this
0: counter spell. <laughs> yeah. As a bonus action, <laughs> you can break this fortune cookie to use counter spell.
3: <laughs> yeah. The last issue that arises with this is part of the reason why games should check material components for the cost in games. Yep. Each list of wedding requires the spell component of two hundred gold pieces worth of diamonds. So this example would cost us uh, 6,400 gold diamonds to do it. That's yep. a lot of diamonds. And let's
1: let's be honest, people people always say, I'm not going to worry about tracking uh, components. You it depends can, on the spell. You can really break the game when you have access to not the cost. Let's think of uh, 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 many of the more potent spells have a gold cost that is really, really high, and in diamonds specifically that are harder it, to obtain.
3: That for me is different, though, than yep. just having a material co- cost, but has no gold cost. Right, it.
1: that's already included, and in assume you have that material. But this right. specifically, these require. Work or using arcane focus. Yeah, yes. but if
0: you have a good potential to off the BBEG for sixty four hundred gold, I think it might be worth
1: it. And you know what? Hey, it if you're invest your money, I'm down for it. Now, the last note: this example only uses uh, the uh, only the floor in a five foot areas. Technically, you could place these on one square foot areas on the floors and the walls, we'll the uh, and make the damage a lot higher. Happy playing!
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh
1: uh, <laughs> shit! Um, yeah, that's so it's uh, like a
2: portal that they go through.
1: <laughs> yep. So for me, uh, this. I where do you, where do you guys think that the, how would this work best? Because obviously it requires spell slots, so it's going to take preparation.
3: If the players have their own guild yeah. hall or place of residence,
1: that's what I was thinking. This is a great way to oh. yep, go ahead.
2: I was gonna say, all well, like a sort of, sort of like I guess a, a a wizards' conclave or something like that, where you've got a lot of wizards or a lot of casters in one place. They're all contributing to this defense system.
1: Um, let's write that down.
3: <laughs> I well, love it. Or if you know where Bal is gonna be ahead of time, or can mi- manipulate where it's gonna go.
1: Right, right. So this, this is when everyone says, um, "Oh, I'll just mind control the the king," or "I will cast an illusion." If you don't think that the wizards haven't thought about your cheap ass tricks, don't be surprised yeah. when not only is it counterspelled, but fucking 20 arcane or uh, magic missiles hit you in your ass. <laughs>
4: yeah.
1: Like, that's the one thing I never understood. Oh, I can do. I've got all this power. It's like, yes, but so do other people. <laughs> sure, there's a lot less of them, mm. but I mean, a thousand, you can get a, easily find a hundred mages that can cast magic missile.
0: What's the distance of magic missile?
1: I don't know, like a hundred feet, right. maybe.
0: It's actually be more than that. That's pretty Anyways,
1: far. Anything else uh, on this uh, old broken uh, player tip?
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, have fun, <laughs> I guess.
1: That'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't be, be a dick. Be, Actually, yes, be a dick. Be a big dick. 120
0: uh, feet. How much? 120, 120 feet. 120 feet. So you good
1: save, range. save your gold. Save your gold. <laughs> save diamonds specifically. Like I feel like if I was going to do this, I would constantly yeah. be like... Do they have diamonds for sale? I have 2,000 gold and I'd like to buy as many diamonds as I can. And never even leave up. <laughs> le, never let the DM what you're on to. Well, it's gold material, it's common material for spells. Common material for spells. Because eventually, yeah, event yeah, be, yeah. okay, 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 until you're like, wait, what'd you do in your year of downtime? Um, I set traps. <laughs> Where? Everywhere.
2: <laughs> so, uh, how, how long does the glyph last Until or? dispelled. What's the duration of it? <laughs> or oh, or moves guy, if it, it,
1: it goes off if it moves I think
0: ten feet but it's basically mm-hmm. until dispelled so um, it's a spell that will let you move thirty feet this is yeah big, yeah there is there's a lot rogues can outrun magic missile
1: what no they can't
0: <laughs> homing missiles anyways
1: <laughs> uh, that'll do it for our uh, for for how long uh, that'll do it for our our tips and tricks before we close out. As always, we like to give away fat loots, and Mm, we would just like to say thank you to Phil for offering to give away a free copy of his PDF of The Haunt. Worth it. Yes, it's it's amazing. (laughs) It is. So, uh, Phil, can you see who our winner is there today?
2: Our winner is... uh, How do I even pronounce that? (laughs) Does
1: it make me a dick that I always give the guests those Uh, pronunciations when I can't do it?
2: Uh, (laughs) I'm going to give it a shot. Do it. I R R R Bandies. I U <laughs> R E I A L B A N D E S. Yes.
1: All right, that'll do it for our show today. Uh, before we close out, uh, Phil, do you want to give yourself one more plug where people can find you and uh, all that jazz? Yep. <laughs>
2: Yep. So you can find me mostly on Twitter uh, where I'm chatting and I'll talk to anybody about anything, mostly uh, RPGs, but I'll talk about anything. Um, and also um, you can find all my stuff on DMs Guild or RPG. Just and, look up my name.
1: And, and check it out. He works on some amazing stuff. And I'm not just saying that because uh, he's on the show. I'm saying that because I invited him on the show because I already feel that way. So um, I, I do want to thank you for joining us. Please support him. Check out some of his content. It's all great. Uh, I recommend with Halloween coming up, start with the haunt. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Or if you really want to get fancy and you want to run more than one session, pick up this big bad boy. There's some good shit in here.
3: Um, Yeah.
1: With that, (laughs) um, if you enjoy the show and you want to support us, head on over to CreateAcademy.com. Follow us on social media. Right? Uh, Leave us a review. Even if you don't use iTunes, all the algorithms use that. So go and write, create an account. It's free and write a review. Um, It's all Great. (laughs) I am your host, Justin.
0: I am your guest, Phil Beckwith.
1: I'm your co-host, Ian.
0: And I'm your co-host, Brandon. Thanks for listening.
1: Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. (laughs) Just saying it. I thought he was going to interrupt me. <laughs> Keep your blade. Like this? God damn it. I know it. <laughs> All right, go
0: ahead. Go ahead.